Hello and welcome to the Leaders with Ambition podcast series, the podcast that delves deep into the careers of some of the most successful leaders working in professional services firms across the UK, US and internationally. We aim to discover the secrets behind their success, the challenges they have overcome and to find out what traits make a successful leader. Hello and welcome to the latest in the Leaders with Ambition podcast series. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest, Stuart Davis. Now, Stuart is Global Head of Marketing and Business Development Litigation at Deckert. And it's going to be a really interesting story today, which sees Stuart's post-degree move to the UK following his passion for history and classics and ending up getting a job at repairing and refurbishing Hadrian's Wall, which is a story within itself. And sees him moving back to the US and then eventually finding his way into marketing for law firms, which is something that he's been doing for over 20 years now. And I know Stuart's incredibly passionate about what he does. He will share some of his thoughts around how to really make sure that you keep adding value to your partners and to your lawyers. And, you know, that's an incredibly important part, I think, of any professional services organisation is that value piece. And we'll go on to talk about EDI, the importance of that in in the firms, and also um, some of the work that's being done at the moment by Deckard around AI. And it's very much a buzzword at the moment, isn't it, AI and what people are doing and how that's going to get taken forward. So lots of really interesting things for us to share today. And so without further ado, Stuart, I'm going to hand over to you to bring your career history to life for us. Thank you, Nikki, and and very excited to speak today and chat a little bit with you about my background and kind of what I've seen and what I look forward to in the legal world. And so, you know, as you mentioned, I I sort of had a a bit of a different start to my career. I finished off college and had done history and classical studies and some art and decided that I really wanted to uh, pursue something along the the reins of uh, historic preservation. And as I got into that in, in England, figured out that that was a very hard way to make a living. I got a lot of vacation and were around very nice things, but the, the pay scale was a little bit different. And, and yeah. the person that I worked for in England convinced me that I needed to kind of look for my way in, into the business world and, and then continue to sort of follow the passions that I might have that you might not get paid well for as hobbies or later in life. And so that is what I'm trying to do. And hopefully you're still on that journey. But it's I, I, I think so. Yeah, I think, I think you mentioned when you were growing up, you grew up in Wyoming and your family situation was interesting. Your father was a cardiologist. Uh, your mother, obviously, was also working as well for a member of the, the local government. And as part of your upbringing, you were surrounded by lots of really interesting and very intellectual people, which leads you quite well into your partnership roles now. But it was, it was quite an interesting upbringing, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I was lucky enough to grow up in Wyoming, which was kind of a very sort of wholesome experience. And it was interesting because my parents were both from the East Coast and my dad was, uh, you know, an Ivy League uh, doctor and cardiologist. And he was the first cardiologist in the state of Wyoming that was sort of a a permanent fixture there. And so, as you can imagine, you know, many of the people who were sort of the the movers and shakers and the politicians in Wyoming, my dad knew them because they all had heart problems. Um, as as people under a high amount of stress would. And then my mom worked for the Democratic governor of Wyoming, which Wyoming was an interesting state because it's been very Republican, but they would uh, every once in a while pop up with a semi-conservative Democratic governor. And it it was lucky I got to to meet a lot of different people. Uh, You know, there was a a, a few senators. One of my dad's first patients was, was Dick Cheney, who later became the 
the vice president. And the best part of it was one, uh, you know, spending time with people who are very smart, very interesting. And in fact, I, I learned to make martinis from the governor when I was probably 15 as, as a bartender for my parents' parties. But um, you got paid for that, Stuart. I, I, I did and get I paid. Like, I did get. I did get paid. I never paid taxes, but I I, I did get paid. And it, and it was you know one of the funny things that happened was when I was applying for school, I was applying to school back east, and and it was nice enough to have the Democratic governor and then the you know a, a big Republican like Dick Cheney not necessarily write my recommendations, but at least sign them. And, uh, and and I think that that helped me probably get into a couple of the schools I got into. So it was it was an interesting place because you really did get to see and hear a lot of different perspectives, different things. You, you yeah. saw a lot of people work well together who might have different views on how the world works. And I think that was kind of a valuable uh, learning experience. And plus, I got to deal with people who had spent a lot of time and energy to get where they were. And, and we're very proud of that. And I, and I think it, it takes kind of a a different mindset to help people like that succeed even, even further. I love that. If you're going to get a letter of recommendation, who are you going to get it from? <laughs> Might as well get it from the vice president. And and it was interesting because we actually had dinner with him when he was vice president here in DC. Oh, wow. And it was a fascinating experience because I was in this room, it was in a, in a local restaurant where people could see that I was in with a, the vice president in a very small group. And I, I walked out to go to the the restroom and, and everybody was was asking me who I was because I was dining with the vice president. And it was just funny because we were just family friends, but everybody was, was you know, who, who's that? Who's that? It was uh, kind of a, an eye-opening experience for being in D.C. Right, right when I arrived here. I love that. I love the fact that, uh, that he didn't forget the people that he grew up with as well. No, born, no, he was, he, he was very loyal to them. Very yeah. loyal to them, so that was That's good. amazing. And so when you came to the UK and started to do your restoration work, I, you also ended up working for and, and living with a family that had some great connections as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I, I think, you know, Nikki and I were kind of getting acquainted for this podcast and, and she brought up how many times I used the word lucky and was definitely very lucky in kind of the situation I ended up there. Had actually started to look for a job in Ireland and kind of got pushed over to meet a couple of people in England. And it was interesting because this was the early 90s and you're spending a lot of money and, and time, you know, having to do transatlantic phone calls to, to try to find a job. And I ended up working for this fellow named David Walters, who was uh, uh, head of the Conservative Party for Northumberland at the time as well. They lived in a 14th century house on the Tyne River in, in a little little tiny town up in Northumberland and, and just was very lucky. His wife was wonderful and was more interesting than he was. She was Scottish and a doctor and a French trained chef. And also her family had owned three whiskey distilleries. So as a young 20 something, I'm eating very good food and drinking very good scotch. And he was a he was a big wine connoisseur. And right on the Tyne River, I was allowed to go fly fishing whenever I wanted to. And so it was just it was a very kind of idyllic, interesting experience. He was also a Lloyd's name and might still be had done well in business. And so, you know, there was a lot that I just kind of learned from him. There was a lot that he was applying from his business world to the National Trust. And so it was very exciting just to be able to kind of learn from somebody who had been exceedingly successful. And I ended up living with him and his his family for a, a very long time. And it was uh, a great experience. I love the fact that you come to do a job in the UK. It's an amazing job that you something that you're very passionate about. You end up living with this family that are really interesting, obviously in a beautiful home. And I'm sure most people traveling at that age would have been in hostels so you yes, yes. I, I met some other people doing the same kind of work and, and their living conditions were, were much much different than, than mine were and so uh, I had quite the view 
I love it. And so you decided to come back to the US and you felt that you needed to get a career and uh, start to establish yourself. And you, I think, originally were looking at a role in Kansas, weren't you? I got back and was, you know, I, I think like a number of people kind of a little lost in trying to figure out what I wanted to do. The idea I'd had was not one that had, had sort of uh, worked out. And I was kind of poking around looking for something that was more business focused. And I, I ended up kind of landing with a family friend in Kansas City and who owned a, a truck manufacturer that built coal mining vehicles in kind of rural Kansas. And it was, you know, chatted with him, was offered a job. His wife then became ill. And so my job got postponed for a little bit. So I, I moved up to a ski resort and sold wine for a year or so in Steamboat, Colorado. And I think the best part of that job, besides a really good snow year, was I met my wife, who was a photographer on the mountain. And so I can say that, that falling in love in a, in a ski resort in the middle of Colorado is, is, is a lot of fun. And so you know, that was a, a great year. And, and thankfully, my future boss's wife came out of her illness. And so I, I moved to Kansas City to, to begin that role, which was kind of the sort of marketing director or marketing manager for this small little company. And uh, this was right at the, you know, kind of the dawn of, of email and Photoshop and, you know, trying to kind of do things electronically. And so it was, it was a lot of fun to, to begin to kind of have a, a canvas to experiment with that and, and working for somebody who was kind of in this sort of established dodgy business and just wanted some young new energy. And I'm not sure if I was the right young new energy, but um, I learned a lot. So that was very good. And interesting, because you, you were relatively young to get a position of such responsibility, but you really did throw yourself in, as you were saying, and took the opportunity to learn, didn't you? So that's great to be able to do that. Yeah, I did. And it was, you know, again, you know, there wasn't, uh, there weren't a lot of distractions. So it was, it was a lot of, a lot of, of good work. It was somebody who was sort of a serial entrepreneur. And I think there and between a couple of other entrepreneurs, I learned that being an entrepreneur is really, really difficult. I think you end up kind of married to the job. And, and, and that was kind of a good experience for that. And then I worked for sort of the vice president of sales and marketing and kind of the, the branch structure. And he ended up leaving the, the company and I ended up with some of his duties. And one of those duties was trying to, to kind of take the, the branch structure that they had and manage it, which was seven branches throughout kind of very interesting parts of the world, New Mexico, Wyoming, West Virginia, Indiana. And I, and I think that was a really good experience because I learned that there was nothing I could do to manage these people. It, it was very much, how do I act as an advocate for them to basically the boss? I knew nothing. They knew I knew nothing. I think if I came in there and tried to tell them anything to do, I, I would have been buried in a mine in West Virginia. So it, it was good to be able to say, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. I want to learn. I know you guys know what you're doing. Tell me what I can do to help you do your job better. What are the resources you need? And I think that was a very good experience of you know kind of learning to, to manage up and, and learn to manage people who might raise their eyebrow as to as to why you're there and doing what you're doing. But I think I got them all on my side. And, and again, you'll use it as, a, as an experience to learn a lot, but also I, I think help them and, and make their lives better. Fantastic. And then you decided you were going to move on. And that's when you saw a job ad in a yes. newspaper. Yeah. So uh, I, don't, I don't know if anybody knows what newspaper is. I actually... <laughs> Last night we were carving pumpkins and my wife asked uh, me to grab some newspaper. I was like, I, I don't have any newspaper. There's nothing in the house. So we, I think 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we found some paper bags. But my wife wanted to go to uh, business school and, and ended up at this kind of interesting little international business school in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And I needed a, a job to support us. And, and I, it was you looked in the newspaper and started circling ads. And one came up and it was it was uh, kind of a 
business development marketing slash recruiting, I think assistant for a law firm. And I, I was like, I, I guess I can do that and, and circled the ad and, and talked to them and found out it paid about twice as much as I was making as a, as a marketing manager in Kansas City. And I was like, well, this, this looks like a, a good next step as I try to figure out what I want to do. And I began my law firm career and I, I started with a little bit of a fib. The, the, if you talk to the people that I went to work for, they said I, I lied because I told them that I was very organized. And I was like, well, I, I, I can be organized if I want to. And uh, so I did begin my career that way. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to begin with. And, and then, you know, as I began to see that it could be a permanent career, I took it to, to new levels. So it was good. But yeah, the circling of ads in the newspaper was, was pretty interesting. And I, and I think since then, every single job I've gotten, and I've been with five or six firms now, has, has been through a recruiter and, you know, have learned the, the incredible value that, that people like Nikki Brig. I'm, I'm not trying to do an ad for her, but you, I've, you I've, do that ad. I love yes, it. No, but I've, I've met wonderful people in the industry who know the industry, you know, know the firms. I, I, you know, everybody I hire, I hire through recruiters. So it's funny that you kind of start with a newspaper and then yeah. you, you, you know, as you get into the industry, you, you learn who kind of knows what's going on and, and how to use them and take advantage to bring good people to you. So. Yeah, I love a bit of print media. See, you you were building your career, as you say, and then you decided that you were going to move firms. What was the reasoning behind that? Yeah, so I wanted to move firms. It was sort of interesting. I, again, happy wife, happy life. My wife was interested in in getting back to the East Coast. That's where she had family. We were in Arizona. Some things fell through for her after business school. And so, yeah, we just wanted to, to look at getting back East. And and the one firm that that actually was from back east uh, in Phoenix at the time was was Steptoe and Johnson. And I, I don't even think they have an office in, in Phoenix anymore, but there was an opening. I went and took it. It ended up being a lot of fun, interesting job. Right after I took it, not much longer, you know, few maybe six months, they ended up, their CMO left. And I, I think and a couple of the other senior people left. And so I, at, at like 28 or something, was the, the oldest person in the department. And so I was kind of flying back and forth and helping run things in D.C. And, and you know, trying to kind of hire some new people and manage things. And when we brought on a new CMO, he said, ah, I heard wonderful things about you. Would you like to come out and work in D.C.? That's great. That that works out. And so got to move to D.C. with a job and somebody to pay for the move. And so it um, that worked out quite well and just kind of put me on kind of the, the D.C. track of, of law firms. And again, you know, you, you say that you picked all of that stuff up and you worked incredibly hard, didn't you, to get recognized and did the right thing. And then that's why people do say you've done a good job. Let's move you. Let's stick with you. So that is that. It's again. It's always giving that extra value, isn't it? And making sure that you're you're providing what you need to do, and then a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think so. And and I think one of the things that I've I've learned is it, it's you know you, you can work very very hard, but you also have to work very very smart. And and I think yeah. you have to kind of put out there new ideas, new thoughts, and and whether or not the people around you take them, I, I think they just, if they see that, that that's the way you think, it, it, they find a lot of value in you. I'll chat with, you know, senior leaders at firms and they're like, I, I want ideas. You might give me 10, I might reject nine of them, but that that one that's there will, could be what we need. And so I, I think always just having a flow of ideas and, and working hard and working smart really kind of makes the most impact, or at least it has for me. I'm building relationships with people. You know, we, I think it's incredibly important, isn't it? it it's, you know, those in real life meetings, face-to-face contact, yeah. you build the relationships, which are essential in professional services firms and particularly law firms. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, we often advise, I want to say, tell the lawyers what they should be doing in terms of, of their business development. And, and we need to do the same things. And I'm completely guilty of, at times, not doing that myself. But I do stay very open to chatting with people, meeting people, trying to understand them, ask questions. This guy, Mo Bunnell, who I got to meet over time, who does a lot of marketing and business development training. And, you know, you, you got to kind of give to get. And, yeah. and I think that that's very important. And you really always have to kind of think of how you can help other people. And, and that, that ultimately helps you. Yeah, pay it forward is always really important, isn't yes. it? And I know, was this around the time that you started your MBA as well? Was it? So, so I did, yes. Yeah. So I, I started an MBA at Georgetown about a year after I moved to D.C. And just, it was, again, you know, coming in with sort of odd degrees, not a lot of business training. I think I'd taken, a, you know, an economics class and, and maybe a, an accounting class at one point in time and, and was really sort of beginning to get kind of fascinated by the business of law. And I, I know there were specific programs that were geared toward law firms. I wasn't sure if, if I was going to continue totally in law firms, but I thought an MBA would be very valuable. My wife had gotten one. I'd been able to take a couple of classes in her school found them very interesting, made a lot of good connections, a lot of good contacts. And so once we were here and kind of in the DC area in a place where I thought I'd be more permanent, I ended up applying for various business schools and and went to Georgetown and found that to be uh, a great experience. I mean, one of the interesting parts was as I was applying and having my interviews, they're, they're like, what is marketing and business development for a law firm? I didn't know that anybody did that. And so it was it, it was a little eye-opening because you're like, oh, people don't really know what you do. And so it, it's always like, oh, you got to kind of educate people on what you do, even if you think that what you do is there's a lot of people who know about it and do it, especially in a place like D.C., which is, you know, you can't throw a rock without hitting a lawyer. Um, there were there were a lot of people who didn't really know what you did. And, and it was an interesting business school. I, it was, you know, the cohort I was in had a, a, a lawyer from Greenberg Trowbridge who was Russian, who was who was fascinating. And a couple of other lawyers that had done, you know, different things. We had a couple of people from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, a couple of people from AOL. I, I sat next to a, a nuclear sub commander who had a, a, a lot of interesting stories. So it was neat just to kind of see a lot of people and get a lot of different ideas. And I think especially as you're you're working in a in a place that values education and this sort of advanced degree so much that that having that kind of MBA it, it gives you a little different sort of center so to speak I, I think you kind of understand you know the, the hard work that goes into what people are doing and and what you need to do and what you can learn and you know I I think for me I've I've forgotten a lot of what I did in my MBA but I've I've retained a lot and and. And that, you know, it's, I, I think it sort of serves me every day. And yeah. it's, I, I still continue to try to take classes when I can and, and learn from other people. And I think that's really important because I think it just continues to bring added value to the organization. I think that's great. It's interesting, isn't it, when you talk about not just what you gain from the MBA, but the people that you meet that then give you new ideas or take you in new directions or new connections. It's all of that that's, that's um part of the, the journey, isn't it, and the learning experience. Yeah, totally. And we, we get to do interesting projects in, in Turkey and China and, and and that brought greater experience. And it was one of the things that was funny is we were doing a, a project in uh for China and, and we were doing it for a big insurance company and, and the, the head of the organization in China had actually been a, a steptoe lawyer. Uh-huh. And and so we had actually met him. We were dealing with kind of a lot of other folks and we went in to have the big meeting with him. And I got to say, oh so and so said hi and we you know we chatted a lot and everybody who I was on this this project with was like, how the hell do you know the guy? And, and, <laughs> you know, how is that so kind of warm and fuzzy? And I was like, well, I just, you know, you just kind of know the same people. And it was, uh, it made it a much more interesting kind of experience there. And it was, it's, it's just funny how you do kind of meet people and just 
you never know where you're going to see them again or, or how they're connected. And so it's always interesting just to kind of exchange some business cards and kind of keep them on your radar. Yeah. But, it, you know, it sounds it is a skill to networking, to connect with people, to make people feel warm and fuzzy as well. It is a skill. And I do feel that's a skill that you have, Stuart. And it's interesting if you think maybe back to, again, you're growing up and being around so many different people and interesting people and people have got ideas and, you know, intelligent people that you've probably developed that over a number of years. And it's you have to keep working at that as well, don't you? If people coming through now, keep working yeah, you, at works. Yeah, you really do. And I think that just wherever you are, you, you never know who you're going to meet. And I, I have a, a wife who much better at it than I am and, and has a, a far more interesting background and, and you know she's sometimes podcast, she should be she should be she's, she's far more interesting than than me and I think sometimes you can get tired and a little sort of introverted I don't think the pandemic helped with that at, at all and so it was interesting I was in a, a round table and kind of had, going into the first event where you don't know anybody and you got to kind of take a deep breath and be like okay it's time to be on because it's it's pretty easy to sit in a corner with your phone and sort of get lost and use things like that as a crutch. You know, you don't have to be the center of attention, but I think you you always do need to just be interested in other people. You don't even need to talk about yourself, but I, I think, you know, as, as Nikki and I are doing this, it was interesting to kind of talk about myself again, but I, I'm more interested in other people's stories and what they have to say and what I have to learn from them. And I've been lucky to be surrounded by pretty interesting people. And you just sometimes have to ask some questions to find out, you know, how interesting they are. Yeah, well, that's very true, isn't it? As well, it's about investing in people and finding out, yeah. asking. And I know that yeah. one of your words of wisdom, which you'll share with us, is is, is what you learnt around. You've got two ears, two oh, eyes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, no, I was going to say that, that Nikki says everything better than I do and more concisely. So I, <laughs> I appreciate that. But no, I was, again, interestingly, I, I grew up uh, sort of kitty corner from the oldest living West Point graduate at the time. And, and this guy had joined the Army bef even before World War One, and had oh stories gosh. of that were fascinating. He, and he became the head provost marshal of, of Japan during World War Two, and would eat his um, wow. his cereal out of out of priceless bowls. I think I think almost everything he did was uh, had in his house was given to the Smithsonian. But as I was heading off to college, his words of wisdom were, you know, keep your ears and eyes open and your mouth shut. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's hard to keep your mouth shut. But at the same time, I, you know, took that as, you know, you really got to listen and, and look and observe and, and kind of suss out what you're doing and where you are. And then you're able to kind of add value at some point. I don't think you need to be the, the loudest voice in the room or, or be the center of attention. But I I think if you're able to to just kind of understand your surroundings and and have you know I guess the you know a high EQ now is how he would probably put it but um, but I, I did find that to be important and valuable and it's something that I sometimes don't uh, adhere to but I, I it always comes up in my mind and and I, yeah. I definitely pass it on to my kids and and hopefully they use it just to you know pay attention to what's going around whatever they're doing. I love that. I love also another very. An inspirational, strong character in your life. There's been quite a few along the way, hasn't there? Yeah, there there really has. I think first and foremost were you know my my parents who were always wonderful and a good influence, and then you know the, the people they knew and the and the people we were around, and and you know a, a couple of people that that I, I don't think I could ever say I have formal mentors, but but people that I've learned so much from, and and you know just. You kind of think about every day because they really imparted so much wisdom. And sometimes you forget where you learn the wisdom from, but you, you, you then remember, oh, yeah, it was, um, you know, I'm, I'm working like uh, a couple of people that I worked for that, that were really, really good at what they do. And you learn little secrets from everybody. And I think that's always kind of fun and, and interesting to do. 
Oh, I love that. And so you were doing your MBA and you decided to make another career move and move firms to DLA. Yeah. So I I moved firms to to DLA, you know, just kind of an expanded role, more money. It was an interesting time for DLA because they were bringing together a couple of different sort of mega firms. There were a lot of interesting people and interesting things going on. And I think that that, I I don't know if if I term it failure, but that was probably the first place that I'd been where I, I just, it, it just didn't fit. There were, it's it was called sort of, learn these days. We don't call them failures, we call them learns. It, it, I learned. <laughs> I, I, I had my, my first learn and, and it was interesting because I've always felt myself to be very adaptable, but it was such a changing landscape. But I was, I was sort of hired to do a bunch of stuff on the East Coast and suddenly was doing it on the West Coast. Then I was having to kind of work in areas that I, I wasn't used to. I, I had two different bosses in six months. And so it was interesting just to kind of see how much sort of craziness was going on there. I, you know, I, I think they were kind of building out their organization. One of the valuable lessons I really learned there is, is when I was hired, I, I was hired uh, above uh, another manager. I was a senior manager there who was great and and probably should have had the job. And for some reason, they didn't consider her. And I got in there and she stayed for about six months. She was wonderful, but but moved on to to another position with her old boss. And and I see that. And, and that was very poignant to me as I see that a lot where there's organizations that just don't give some of the junior people the opportunity opportunity to, to move up because the circumstances might not be perfect and they want to bring somebody in from outside. And oftentimes the, you know, the, the best thing they have is right in front of them. And, and that was a, a good, valuable learning experience for me is, is one, you got to be adaptable and able to change very quickly, but also, you know, you just got to look at the talent around you and, and make sure that you're not making a mistake because somebody hasn't been there long enough or somebody's not old enough or, or other reasons. And so, you know, I, I took that as my learn, I guess, from that job. And continue with that as well. You know, you do genuinely look at people in your team, don't you, all the time. Your retention rates are really good because you do invest in people and you look at personal and professional development, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really important. Most of the, at least the senior members of my team have been with me for for five years and they're all far better than me and make me look good. And so I love what they do and what they bring. And, the you know, it's a group of people who continue to bring good ideas and bring a lot of value. And, you know, we're always trying to look and figure out how how to do that more so. Yeah, that's great. And so you you moved on to Deckert then. You made the decision to move to Deckert, which is something that I know that you've enjoyed incredibly and seen your career advance there as well, haven't you? I moved to uh, to Steptoe. Uh, not Steptoe, I'm sorry, uh, McDermott. So I, sorry, I moved from LA to, sorry, yeah. to, to McDermott, and and, and you know, and it was a it was a great experience. I was uh, one of the headhunters that I talked to when I moved over to DLA. Had called and said, I you know I have this guy you got to meet. You know, he's really interested. He's looking for somebody like you who's doing the MBA, can do business development, but can also look at, at helping him run his practice. And and I think that kind of practice management role was coming into vogue. And I thought that you know, with the degree and kind of that kind of background, you know, it might be on a track for like a COO or or something along those lines. And, so I got there and, and you know started as as kind of the the titled senior manager for that group and doing sort of half business development, half practice management. And then once it became a, a kind of real position at, at McDermott, I was promoted into the director. They called it the business unit director. And so it was just kind of the the, the director of the group. And that was a great experience because you really, you know, as you as you do business development, you know, very involved in sort of 
trying to raise the profile and try to advance what the lawyer's doing. But when you're on the practice management side, you really kind of see how the sausage is made, so to speak. And you really see what a profitable client is, what a good client is, what you need to do with the personnel, you know, how good lawyers work, how junior lawyers need to be developed. So it really gave me a huge amount of insight into just the business of law more so than what I was was doing just in business development. The guy that I, I worked for was a lawyer who's still practicing, Ray Jacobson, who was one of those ones who really was just kind of fascinating and you learned a lot from. I think, you know, he's worked with a lot of lawyers and a few business development people and and just is really, really savvy at what he does. And he's a very, very, very good lawyer. And then he's also a very, very good business developer. And it really, as I say, really too many times, just really, really appreciated what I learned and was able to take from him. And I, I think I use that every day. I love the fact that, you know, as you were saying, you've not had formal mentors, but there's always been some form of person there that you that's inspired you, assisted you, that you've learned from, that you've been able to put into action. So you've found your own way of getting your coaching and mentoring, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. And and I think, again, it's, it's being open to the people around you and, and understanding that people have a lot more experience than you and whatever they do. And, and if you can get them in a conversation, if you can watch them, if you can enjoy uh, working with them, you, you can certainly learn a lot. And it definitely did from him. That's great. And then you decided you wanted to go back more into business development, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I'm too far away from that. Yeah. And so I just, I saw that there was not going to be a sort of a path to the COO. And and also I saw that I think the COO role is incredibly demanding and painful, maybe. You're in a a role, no matter how many, no matter what kind of leadership you have in a firm, you still, in these firms of a thousand lawyers, you still have 200 bosses and everybody's got an opinion. The opinions differ. It, It takes a lot of maneuvering and Jedi mind tricks to to kind of do that role. And I, I, I don't think I have it in me to, to, to do the COO role, but I really enjoyed the business development and, and marketing side of things. And so I began to just look for an opportunity to, to, to be able to hone those skills. I'd always had kind of small, small teams or onesie twosies that had worked for me. And so I wanted to go someplace where I could actually have a bigger team and, and kind of develop that team and, and develop that skill set. I, I think that managing people is incredibly rewarding, but, but incredibly difficult as well. And you can do it and think you're doing it right and screw it up and just trying to kind of learn what you need to do to to build a, a great team and keep them and, and, and keep them interested was one of the things I needed next. And, and so Deckard sort of afforded me the, the opportunity to do that. And you're part of a team, like you say now, you, you, you very much see it as being part of a team, don't you, rather than you having lots of people working for you. I love the collaborative way that you do work, and that really helps people come through and for them to learn. Yeah, totally. And and I think, you know, wherever I can, I, I try to bring people into projects. I, I try to, you know, especially the junior folks, say, hey, we've got this coming up. Do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to sit in on these meetings? Because I, I think that if you're paying attention again, you 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 can learn a lot, and and so yeah. whatever we can do, you know, we use LMA a lot. We we do a, a lot of, of internal training. I think you get uh, you know certainly a lot of training just kind of on the job and sort of letting people be able to do their job, but be in the background to help or guide is is sort of the, the philosophy I've tried to have. Is I I don't want to look over somebody's shoulder. I I want them to do well if they happy to sort of brainstorm and, and try to do whatever do whatever it takes to make sure that you know going to deliver what they need but but hopefully I can add some value and when I'm working on projects and, and know people have an interest you know hopefully they can add some value yeah. and, and so it's it's really kind of a, a, a two-way street there 
I love that. And I think it's interesting throughout your time, you've always been very good. You talked before about being organized, but you're very good at your time management, aren't you? And you really strongly believe in work-life balance. And that's something you would think in your sort of seniority, your roles within law firms could be more challenging, but you've managed to keep your boundaries and really focus on what's important to you, which is work, but it's also your home life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's always kind of a difficult balance. And I do chat with people who I know work for firms where, where that's just impossible. I think one, I'm, I've been fortunate in the firms that I've worked at, you know, there, there has been sort of a good understanding of the work-life balance. But I think also it is setting up some boundaries, but it's also just kind of being aware of what's going on. I mean, if, if I, I, there are times that I've, I've had people that are out and I, you know, just kind of watch the email on the weekends because I know that they have certain partners that might have a pitch. And I think just being aware so that you're not living your life and unable to escape. But if you're able to kind of be available and be available to a point, I, I mean, I think one of the best questions you can ever ask is when do you need this by? There's a lot of people who are just like, oh, somebody asked me for something, I got to get it done. And when you ask them, oh, I don't need it till, you know, I need it tomorrow or I need it today or I don't need it for a week or two. I think just asking that question is really important because it, it, it just, you know, level sets and you you understand what you're working with. And, and I think just, you know, being able to sort of have a team that's happy enough that you can shift people around, shift things around, you know, and, and just make sure that, you know, that the burden is never too great on one person. And, and just being able to, to, you know, hopefully, hopefully help there. But I've got three kids. I've got older parents. I think a lot of people, no matter what they've got going on, there's a lot of pressures outside of work and inside of work. And yeah. just being able to try to kind of be upfront and let people know what, what's going on helps. I, I think very helpful if, if some people are very private, I, I probably share way too much information. But I think when I've got things going on in my life, I like to let people know that because it just helps we're all humans and it helps humanize it and, and, and understand it people understand it which is great yeah. isn't it? If, if, i love yeah. that question though when do you need it by because you do you automatically assume when it's somebody when it's a partner or someone that's senior they're asking for something to do your brain goes into oh my gosh i've got to do this now it's got to take priority the rest of the work needs to go and that's yeah. often the case yeah it's also being very aware that you know the the lawyers you know they they have a very different life i mean you know, a lot of them are on call 24 hours a day yeah. very demanding clients they're they're charging a lot of money and and sort of understanding what their position is and being able to help make their lives easier and better is you know part of our jobs as well and and yeah. and i and i think there's always ways to do that that don't kind of impinge on on what you're trying to do with your life and, and which goes back to what you were saying about adding value in your roles all the time and how can you make life easier for the lawyers and the partners which i think yeah. is a really good yeah. point yeah. so talk to me about um some of the work that's happening at the moment with ai because i know it sounds like what um Deckard is doing is actually pretty special and you know encompassing and looking at better ways to improve efficiencies with ai i think that's the the main sort of there's just a lot of of interest in it i mean one we're, we're trying to figure out kind of our our client facing AI work, you know, we're, we're doing some interesting things. We've, we've got some lawyers who really know what they're doing. When you talk to the lawyers and understand the, the questions clients are asking them, right. and one, it's how AI affects them. It's how AI affects the, the business of law. You see that that is on everybody's mind. And then I, I think we've been very fortunate to have a leadership team that's very invested in, in AI and understanding, you know, what it can do for us. And, and so there, you know, we have a kind of our, our head of uh, innovation is a wonderful guy. I won't say his name because I don't want anybody to take him, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess you can always uh, figure out who that is. 
but it, you know, very, very you know, smart, smart guy who's a former lawyer, sort of understands what can be done with the tools. You know, there's a lot of openness of I've got an idea. You know, will this fly? Do you think this is something that AI can help with? And I mean, one of the ones that's that I, I think is very simple is using it in some of our directory submissions and being able to translate what we're doing from one directory submission to another one. You know, that's where kind of a simple example of of how we're using AI is helpful. I know that our, you know, especially on the corporate side, they're using and developing a lot of tools that they're they're really enjoying. But I've got a couple of people on my team that are kind of fascinated by it, and you know, and I'm I'm trying to sort of further that. I, I kind of set up, uh, I mean, just you know, very simple processes so that that people share AI information, you know, whether it's information that's really useful for their jobs or something else that's that's interesting. I I think we all got the demonstration of you know how you have a poem written by Shakespeare about where you live and and I drawing some pictures that are you know Van Goghish and I and I think we all got past that. It's yeah. Um, it's now what 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 can it do to make my life better and easier? And so it's it's been nice to be able to kind of utilize the tool to to do that. I I, th- I think you know, where I see a lot of my team using it is is just you know drafting and, and drafting and you know bringing language around and and such and and so it's so it's been good to to play with it and and kind of understand it more. And I I think the the way that you know we're always putting it is it might not be the person who knows AI the best, but it's the person who can ask the AI the right questions uh, who will be successful. And 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 I think that's what we're trying to kind of teach and and impart on on the people at, uh, at Decker right now. That's a, a really good point, actually. I like that. It's very on the ball. And so what would you say the biggest challenges at the moment for people like yourself, people that are, are running businesses within the business development piece of of the law firm? I would say it's really trying to figure out where the value is and where the shift is. Like right now, you have younger lawyers. There's more focus on digital. You have lawyers who've been around a while where there's you know still a big focus on those uh, personal relationships. And I, th- I think kind of understanding you know how those collide, where how much you need sort of as a as a digital footprint to to, to hold on to kind of the relationships that that you have and that you're that you're making. I mean, I I know certain lawyers who literally go out to breakfast every morning with clients, potential clients, or or somebody, and and then I know other lawyers who who do nothing but you know kind of write or spend time kind of reading and and sending clients you know sort of missives about what they're seeing, what they're learning, you know, what they're future telling. And I think everybody just has their own unique way of of kind of selling themselves and it's how do you harness that and how do you make sure that that you know your lawyers are doing enough of what they need to do to make it successful. I think there's so many competing priorities on just what works right now and, and you're dealing with RFPs, you're dealing with with pitches, you, you know, you're dealing with events, you're dealing with the accounting firms and the consulting firms getting in on the business and and what what that's going to do. And so I, I think in general, you know, trying to have enough information, enough understanding of, of what's going on in the business to be able to help direct your own firm's efforts. It's just very, very important right now. Yeah. Juggling lots of balls always. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it, it, some things, you know, stay the same. I think just in having a trusting relationship with, with the client lawyer and, and how do you foster that and how do you make sure that you're using all the tools that are out there to, to do that and the tools that are, you know, that are changing pretty constantly. Change is getting quicker. That's the thing, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it is. And it really is fascinating to see to see where we're going to end up with all of that and and so we talked to I talked briefly in the introduction about you know your belief in EDI equity diversity and inclusion and how important you do feel that is for for law firms in general and there is some really good work that's going on at the moment isn't there in your firm around EDI do you want to share some of that 
I would say that there is. I mean, we uh, a really strong chief diversity officer who is, you know, just you know, tireless. I mean, say, you know, she's she's working 24 hours a day on the issues that we have and the issues that, that law firms have and the issues the world has. I mean, yeah. to, to be honest, it's it's not just kind of a, a law firm issue. And I, I think where we're, you know, trying to spend our time and, and money, you know, on these efforts, like for instance, right now or or probably just two hours ago, we had one of our um, our co-managing partners uh, speak at a diversity panel for the Economist Forum in London, and it, it's 450 general counsels. And, and we didn't use our marketing dollars to have him talk about some white collar issue or or some client issue that was sort of specific to what he does. It was talking about you know, you know diversity issues and, and talking about you know how we continue to to move the needle forward. We spent a lot of time with like the Philadelphia Association of Corporate Counsel, and we're in the process of putting together a program with other firms for their annual DEI program. And it's kind of fascinating to see, especially sort of the attack on on sort of the efforts with affirmative action, and you know how you can as a as a firm, as a person, as a lawyer, hopefully push back. You know, one of the things I, I think that we sort of settled on for our program there is, you know, you know, how the mentoring relationship works there. And um, oh, yeah. you know, whether it's it's mentoring just lawyer to lawyer, but lawyer to outside lawyer or outside lawyer to inside lawyer. I think it's just it's it's finding ways to kind of keep the conversation alive and 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 keep moving forward and spending the money to to talk about it. I mean it's it's important for clients. It's it's important for lawyers. I know a lot of firms are doing a lot of great stuff and it's nice to be around people who are very passionate about it and whatever I can do to support them is has been great for me and a great learning experience for me. And so, I love that. so, yeah. so that's that's been nice. It's not only doing the right thing, but you know, this is what everyone should be doing, as you say, and it impacts it impacts people that are working at the firm, it impacts your clients, it impacts so many people on so many levels, doesn't it? So it's really it, great. It does. And and I have a, a, a very diverse group um who works for me and and you know that's been a wonderful experience. And and right now, um, you know, with everything in in the Middle East, it's people who are very shaken up about it and yeah. being able to talk about it and understand, you know, their perspective and their families. It's always a learning experience. And you know, sometimes you you don't have the the words for it, which is always sometimes you feel like you can talk about anything forever. And and then there are times that you just you can't fathom what other people are going through because because you've yeah. never had to go through. And I and I think that's whether it's war, or diversity, you know, you, you have a hard time being in somebody else's shoes, but you have to be very empathetic. And I think having that empathy is key to life. Yeah, giving them a safe space, isn't it? I think it's yeah. enabling people to be their true, authentic selves as well makes such a massive difference. Yeah. So talk to me about your career highlights then, because there's lots of positives that have happened along the way with you. Yeah, you know, it was funny because as, as we kind of chatted a little bit, I was, you know, sort of wondering and thinking about my career highlights. And and I would say it becomes, you know, are the, the career highlights, the eyes or the wheeze in the career. And, you know, there are some special things I've done. I, I mean, I love solving problems. I love fixing issues. But I think in the big scheme of things, I've had a, you know, a thousand highlights because I've met a thousand great people. I, I've had wonderful mentors. I've had people who work for me, you know, people who I haven't been able to chat with very much, people who I've just gotten to know. And I think the career that I've chosen has given me the ability to meet so many different interesting people in so many different ways with just a lot of brilliance and being able to kind of see that brilliance every day and be a part of it. It's a highlight every day is you learn something new every day. You meet somebody different. You're able to kind of make an impact. So I, I don't think I have like a 
oh, you know, here's one or two or three highlights that I'm so amazed that, that I accomplished. I've, I've been very excited that I've moved up. I've been very excited about my MBA, I, but I've been probably more excited when I've been able to give somebody a, a raise that is life-changing or a promotion that they deserve. And I guess saying I, I gave it to them is, is the wrong term, but I, I think being around people who've strived and, and achieved and, and being able to help them do better in their life, whether it's a, you know, it's a, a junior person on a team or, or a lawyer who's been practicing for 40 years. I, I think the highlights all come from, you know, those exchanges and just what you're able to accomplish with them and, and learn from them and, and get to know them. So I, I think that's, and having your eyes open to be able to do that, I, I think is, is what I would say. The people piece of it is, is really the highlight of the job and of the career. That's great. It's a really good one to have. And I think you mentioned to me when we spoke in previously as well about there was um, an instance where somebody hadn't achieved the ranking and it was you felt it was the wrong thing that they hadn't been able to achieve this. And then you followed that through and actually it had been a mistake, hadn't it? And you'd managed to rectify that and you felt yeah, yeah. really a thing. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I think it was, it's those kind of problems where you don't want to be a pest and you don't want to, you know, as, as, uh, People say you, you achieve uh, uh, a lot more, you know, using using honey versus salt. And I think just being able to sit there and, and kind of chat to people about, you know, the logical reasons why something has occurred and, and get them to kind of dig into it and get them to listen to it, you know, kind of affect change. And, and that instance was somebody had not achieved a ranking and it was very, very important to that person. And I knew that that person would be disappointed just in general if, if that didn't happen. And, and the person deserved that they had had it before. It ended up being a mistake. It took about a week to make them say that it was a mistake. Once it was done, people involved were, were all extra happy. That was nice. But yeah, yeah. You, you hate seeing people that, that have uh, achieved good things not get recognized for that. Yeah. So it, it does make you try uh, try a bit harder. Well, it's good because a lot of people wouldn't do that. So it's good that you do that. Yes, and, and what yes. about your challenges then? What, what would you kind of be your challenges to date? I think the challenges, I think a lot of leadership changes and I think kind of helping people understand what the, the value of this role brings. I, th- I think there's you know, such a focus on performance at law firms that trying to help people understand where the marketing business development role brings, you know, the extra value. I, th- I think wherever you can have metrics and wherever you can bring metrics and your, your sort of KPIs, you need to be able to do that. And I think just having that challenge is and, and overcoming that challenge. I mean, the, you know, the fee earners have have so many challenges themselves. You know, the, they're dealing with economies that one year you, you look at M and A and it's it's crazy, and the next year it's nothing. And and suddenly, you know, their book of business is half of what it was, and there becomes pressure on them. And I think kind of understanding what the pressures are and, and being able to help people that that might be under under those pressures is really challenging. I think I think there's a challenge in just the way the world is working right now. And you know, you see lawyers and projects that that get going, and suddenly they're just they end because of of one reason or another. And I think there's just the challenge of the, the changing business. I mean, it's it's going to be AI. It's going to be you know outside consulting and accounting firms that see kind of how lucrative law firms have it. I think law firms are unique and, and bring a special value that's that's very hard to replicate, which is good. But it it is you know it's it's a big challenge. And I, and I think just keeping your team. I just lost somebody who was given a promotion and gobs more money that uh, you know couldn't match and and actually wouldn't want to match. But I think just being able to help people understand how to grow and, and be a bit patient, really kind of one of the biggest challenges we, we have right now. Because I, I mean, times I'm not patient. It's, you know, you got to sit back and kind of pull yourself away a little bit just uh, to make sure you are a, a, a bit more patient than you would hope to be. I think that's a really good point. I think people challenges in particularly in law firms is, is huge, isn't it? It's about how to retain and how to attract the caliber of people you need. And I think that's always going to be an ongoing challenge in 
in law firms and professional services firms. Yeah. And words of wisdom then, what would be your words of wisdom? I think you shared some earlier. I think it is just, you know, pay attention, be accountable, make sure everybody else is accountable. I think one of the other items, and again, one that I sometimes fall down on is, is just being disciplined. It's, it's mm. you know, especially with business development and marketing, it's like exercise. You got to kind of do it every day. You have to be involved every day or you sort of lose the, the muscle memory. And I think even as as you you look at our own people who need to develop relationships with the, with their lawyers and the people that they work with, I, I think you know that's the key is just keep developing relationships, whether it's you know personal or or whether it's it's online. I, I think being able to just continue to sort of grow and learn and understand people better and better is is sort of the the words of wisdom I have. I would also say I, you know again I, I really do always look back to keep your ears and eyes open and your mouth shut, it, just as a way of of kind of making sure that you do listen and you do um, observe what's going on in the world. And that, that helps you then when you do open your mouth, say good things and smart things and, and, and valuable things. Love that. Well, I have to say, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you today. I'm definitely going to take that advice away of making sure that you keep developing relationships. And I think that's been a real strong call through through your life and career as well about that networking relationship piece, the importance of it. And also to listen and be in the moment with people, which is incredibly important. So thank yeah. you so much for your time today, Stu. It's been great no, to speak to you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk. Hopefully it's uh, it's useful for somebody. So I, exactly I, I appreciate it very much. And uh, yeah, this has been a, a valuable experience for me. And so thank, thank you for uh, doing yeah. this for me and, and others along the, the, the way. I, I think being able to just highlight what we're doing in this profession is is absolutely wonderful because yeah. you know smart people doing good stuff and everybody needs to be uh, sort of acknowledged for that. Love that. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you.